Hello and welcome to the Wealthstack podcast. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we are thrilled to have our very special guest here today, one of the most innovative minds in the wealth management industry, Rick Edelman. Thank you very much for joining us. We're looking forward to having a great conversation with you here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. To- Rick, with you, there's so much ground we could cover. You know, the Wellstack podcast, as our listeners know, at its core really covers two things, growth and innovation. Um, and you know a lot about both. For today, though, I would love to learn a little bit more. I know you spent a tremendous amount of time this year focusing on crypto and digital assets, and specifically, you're figuring out how to educate financial advisors and really just broaden the knowledge base across the wealth management industry around crypto and digital assets. So with that, before we get into some of the specifics, would you mind just giving an update on some of the things that you've been focused on, some of the organizations that you're working with, and some of the the activities that you have going on right now, please? Uh, Happy to. Uh, This has grown much bigger than I ever thought it would. I I thought my efforts in the crypto space would be short-lived part-time hobby. Uh, I created DACFP four years ago, really for fun and and to help advisors who are interested learn more about this space, but it's really exploded in attention. We now have 23 employees. Uh, We're getting inquiries from every sector of the financial community, banks, brokerage firms, independent BDs, uh, independent advisory firms, the media. Everybody is recognizing that Blockchain, crypto, digital assets, Bitcoin, it's all here to stay. And there's been no outlet, no resource for people to get unbiased, objective education that is in the advisor's and the consumer's best interest. And so that's all we do at DACFP is provide that education through content on our website, webinars, uh, our certificate program, which is our big claim to fame, my new book about crypto coming out in May. Uh, And so our What I'm finding really interesting is that major Wall Street firms are now engaging in a way that a year ago would have been unthinkable. Uh, But in the past year, we have seen massive adoption by hedge funds, billionaires, endowments, pension funds, insurance companies, organizations you would never think would be first adopters are all engaging, recognizing the incredible benefit that this revolutionary technology offers. So it's a one hand, a little bit of a struggle to keep up, especially since the innovations keep on churning, but it's been an awful lot of fun and really reassuring to see so many in the financial community engaging and recognizing that they need to learn about this because they need to figure out how to help their clients in a way that they haven't been able to do so to date. Yeah, it's on so many levels, it's so interesting when you know, something can come into the market that is one, new, and two, can really have an impact and you know, change and accelerate change as quickly and as dramatically as crypto, digital assets, and blockchain have in recent years. Uh, for what I just want to, for our listeners, Ricky mentioned, you know, DocFP, uh, for those who aren't familiar, that is the Digital Assets Council of Financial Professionals. Um, which is where you're spending a good amount of your time. I do want to ask, you mentioned just the growing recognition and interest from the broader institutions. What do you think it is that's driving that now, Rick? Uh, Several things. Uh, the, The technology is now being proved out. We know that blockchain technology can materially improve the speed of transactions. Corporate America, regardless of industry, can execute transactions safer, faster, cheaper, with greater transparency using blockchain technology. This offers tremendous savings to them, better benefits for their customers. 
governments around the world are no longer taking uh, a question of whether or not to allow blockchain, but rather to how to integrate it in their economic systems. Um, Every government around the world is experimenting with central bank digital currencies. Uh, It's widely projected that by the end of this decade, every government around the world will have digital currency. Our own Fed is actively engaged in this. Two weeks ago, the president issued an executive order, the very first one since Bitcoin was invented in 09. Obama never did it. Trump never did it. But Biden now has because those two guys, Obama and Trump, could have ignored it. It was all new and uncertain. What the heck is it? But we're now at a point Biden couldn't ignore it. And he issued the first ever executive order from the White House calling on the full resources of the federal government to coordinate in a unified fashion to develop this technology at the federal level and implement it in our economic system while providing the safeguards that consumers and investors need. Bitcoin rose 10% on the news. I mean, this is a big deal. So uh, all of this was unheard of a year ago. Uh, And the mainstreaming of this, the fact that the price is so high and stable uh, relative to the way it has operated in the first five years of its life, uh, we're still seeing volatility, but not nearly like we saw in 2010 to 2015. Uh, This is giving major corporations confidence of engagement. And you're seeing a broad array of everybody getting engaged. And we're still at the very beginning of this. Only 300 million people worldwide own Bitcoin on a planet of 7 billion. Hmm. It's still incredibly new. The investment opportunities remain huge. And the technological advances it offers for business are unprecedented. Uh, And that is, I think, all contributing to the huge level of excitement about this very new asset class. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about over the last year, you know, how much has changed. And we saw it and felt it. You know, it felt like it went from, you know, a discussion that individual investors were having, you know, on their own and sort of independently to one where more and more financial advisors were, you know, starting to ask and think about how they should be incorporating crypto and digital assets into their clients' portfolios. It's actually one of the main reasons in the fourth quarter of last year, when we look at our event, Wealth Management Edge. We decided to run inside ETS and Wellstack side by side. The crossover between those two events and sort of the green space, as we call it, yeah. gives us an opportunity to really talk about crypto and digital assets, which, of course, you'll be doing at the conference in June. So I am curious just to get your perspective on you know, the financial advice community. I mean, where are we right now? It feels early innings, but curious as to you know, get your take on the professionalization right, of crypto and digital assets, where we are in the it's wealth way. It's way behind, Mark, and this is very frustrating. Um, advice, and I understand why we're behind. I, I get it. I mean, I've been an advisor for thirty-seven years, and and you know, I, I understand how advisors think because I'm yeah. one of you, uh, <laughs> one of us. And um, let's face it, uh, we're behind the curve. Uh, only sixteen uh, percent of advisors said that they have ever recommended crypto to any client, which means they're not regularly, uniformly routinely adding digital assets to client portfolios. They're doing it on a one-off basis, typically as a reactive response to a client inquiry. So advisors are well behind the curve. 24% of American adults own crypto, which means your clients own it. They just haven't told you. Just like your teenagers are drinking beer without telling you, your clients own Bitcoin without telling you because they're afraid of how you're going to react. 
You haven't talked about it with them. They assume you don't like it or that you don't know anything about it. And very often when they ask, and now virtually every advisor acknowledges they're getting client questions, most advisors aren't skilled to be able to answer the questions. Most advisors can't explain what blockchain is, what Bitcoin is, how does it differ from Ethereum, what's an NFT, what's a DAO, what's DeFi, what's the metaverse. Most advisors can't answer these basic questions, causing clients to say, if they can't answer my questions about that, what else can they not help me with? And so advisors are way behind the curve, and it's a problem for the credibility of our industry and your ability to serve your client as a fiduciary serving their best interests. So I'm really, that's the focus mission of DACFP, of the Digital Assets Council of Financial Professionals, is getting you the content you need. I don't care whether you buy Bitcoin or not. I don't care whether you recommend it. I want you to be fluent. I, you know, I treat it like annuities. I don't care whether you like annuities or not. You know them, you understand them, and you can explain them, and you can help a client determine whether they should buy an annuity or not. You need to do the same thing with Bitcoin. And most advisors are not at that uh, at that place yet. Yeah, I think there you make a lot of great points there. A few that I'd love to unpack just for a minute, especially when you mentioned the sixteen percent of advisors, right, uh, whose clients hold some sort of digital assets. Um, I mean, that to me, and this is just a, a gut check, feels high, especially based on some of the conversations I've had with advisors. I'm sure it's accurate, uh, but just feels like higher than I would have expected. I, I would imagine at least half of their clients have asked about it at some point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the, the survey says that everybody says I'm getting questions from yeah. somebody. Yeah. I, what is it that's holding advisors back though? And I hear two things often. One, lack of education. Um, and then actually it's three things. Three things. One, lack of education. Two, uh, lack of regulation. Um, and three, Lack of infrastructure. Um, so, how accurate, you know, or how 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 much of a concern are those three things, and how are we progressing so that they're no longer the challenges that they may be today? Yeah, one of those is real. The other two are myths. Um, lack of education is real. Advisors don't know about this asset class. It is totally new and different. It's the first new asset class in 150 years. The last yeah. time we had a new asset class was the discovery of oil in the 1850s. And look at the impact oil has had on the world. I mean, prior to oil, we were using whale oil to light our candles. So um, this is revolutionary, as big a deal as oil was. And it's, you know, how big did oil get in 1890, right? Not very big. Mm -hmm. So this is as early as it was, as oil was back then. So it's early and there's no resource for education other than our certificate program. People need to understand that you can't ignore this anymore. You've got to progressively, actively get out there to get the education that you need. We make it really simple and easy since our course is an online self-study course. And so the lack of education is real. But the other two, uh, Mark, are, are myths. The fact that regulation is uncertain is total and utter nonsense. The fact that there are infrastructure hurdles, like your firm won't allow it, that is a paper wall easily knocked down. So let's, let's talk about them one by one. There is plenty of regulation out there, plenty of regulation. The SEC, FINRA, CFTC, uh, the IRS, Treasury Department, the Fed, everybody's got regs. There is plenty of clear rules that allow you to move forward in a fully compliant way without risk of regulation, without risk of a threat to your revenue, without risk of a threat to your reputation. 
Um, the, those three R's, regulation, reputation, revenue, are not concerns if you know what you're doing, and it's easy to learn how to know what you're doing. So you don't have to fear regulation. In fact, there's more regulation coming. We're all in favor of it because you know we just want to know what rules are. We can live within the rules. I don't care what you set the speed limit at, 45 or 55. I can manage it. I can handle it. But just tell me what the rule is, and we'll live with it. So more rules are coming, again, thanks to Biden's executive order. Innovation always comes first. The regulation always comes second. Uh, we didn't have auto regulation until after we had auto crashes. And you don't get auto crashes till after you start making the cars. So innovation is always first. This thing's only 13 years old. So let's have a little patience. But don't fear a lack of regulation because there's plenty for you to engage today. The other concern that people raise is my firm won't let me. My compliance department says no. They don't allow me to buy Bitcoin for a client. I just had a phone call earlier today with a compliance officer of one of the largest brokerage firms in the country. And she admitted in the conversation she knew nothing about Bitcoin and was pretty negative about it based on what little she'd heard about frauds and scams and whatnot. All it took was 20 minutes on the phone for her to say to me, gee, I had no idea this looks easy. And it is. That wasn't true three years ago, but it is true today. You have available to you ordinary ETFs that can give your client exposure to the digital asset space. Ordinary listed stocks trading on the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, readily available to give your client access to this as an asset class. There are over-the-counter securities readily available. There are private placements for accredited investors. There are qualified IRA custodians ready for you to do this, investing directly in crypto with an IRA account. There are so many different ways that you can do this today that won't raise the fear or specter of a compliance officer. You just need to know about them. Uh, We offer a list of all of these services and and vendors at our website at DACFP.com is our yellow pages, where we list all of them for free for advisors, including the news services and the tax reporting services that are available to you to integrate this in your practice seamlessly and easily. It's not a big deal anymore. It was a few years ago, but this is growing up and it's now mainstream. There are now a lot of adults in the room. A lot of these crypto companies are now being run by former Wall Street executives, former compliance officers uh, with major regulators. The industry is very different than it was just a few short years ago. And advisors need to realize that what you thought you knew, if it was ever true, probably no longer true today. And it's a great way of thinking about it moving forward. Um, it's definitely, it, whether or not it's you know, fully mature is up for you know, debate, but it's definitely more mature and continuing to mature from where it was just a few years ago. Um, asking you to put your financial advisor hat on for a moment. Um, and I know it's always challenging to just sort of give blanket you know, guidance or recommendation, but you mentioned you know, digital assets, you know, crypto being the first asset, new asset class in 150 years, which is really amazing when you think about it like that. Where, from a, a portfolio perspective, um, how are you thinking about it as an advisor in terms of the exposure that an individual might have? Is it a 15, 20% holding or is it 5% or less at this point? Oh, it's one or two or three or yeah. four percent, certainly 5% or less. And that's something else that catches advisors by surprise. And it's because we are, most of us, the vast majority of us, 
are really good at what we do because we've been doing it a really long time. Mo- you know, the average advisor is 60 years or older. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. We're managing a lot of money for a lot of clients, and we've been doing it for a really long time. We're good at this. And we know because of our expertise and our experience, our, our college degrees and our certifications, we know the proper way to manage money. And one key element of that is materiality. We know that if you're going to invest in something, it has to have a material part of the portfolio. Otherwise, why bother? You know, we all love Google, but who on earth would ever tell a client to buy one share? Right? That'd be pointless. Right. Yeah. That's why we have a 60-40 portfolio, 60% of our money in stocks, because if you're not going to do a meaningful allocation, you're wasting your time. But nobody wants to do 50% of their money in Bitcoin. That Bitcoin is still, for all of its glory, it's still too new, too uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen with technological innovation that might make it obsolete or regulatory change of heart or consumer disinterest. I mean, who knows what might happen? So doing 20, 30, 40% of our money in crypto, I don't know anybody who would ever tell a client to do that. And therefore, a lot of advisors say, since since I'm not going to do 40% and there's no reason to do 1%, I'll therefore do zero. That makes sense if you're talking about stocks or bonds or real estate, but it doesn't make sense when you're talking about digital assets. This asset class is not only new, it is different from any other asset class you have ever experienced. And as a result, history tells us that a 1% allocation is all it takes to have a material impact on the portfolio. With a 1% allocation, you can materially improve the return. But if it does go south, that 1% loss isn't going to harm your client's financial future. They're not going to become unable to retire because they earned 7% as opposed to 8% in their portfolio. So you don't need to do 10 or 20%. One or two or three or five is plenty. And I'm not the only one saying this. Yale did a study in 2018 reaching the same conclusion. The very maximum amount they recommended was 6.1%. Bitwise did a study with the CFA Institute. Their conclusion, 3 to 5%. So you can do a big improvement to your client in terms of the risk return of their portfolio, the efficient frontier, max drawdown, sharp ratio, Sortino ratio, the standard deviation, the whole nine yards with a slow single digit allocation of crypto. Yeah, I know that fits into probably that first bucket, the education bucket. But I look at, you know, when you add the context that you just gave to some of the misperceptions or the myths around regulation and infrastructure, it helps to give advisors more broadly a very specific view of the purpose and intent and expectations. So I can see how going through your program is helping advisors move along that that knowledge, that spectrum that they'll need to not only guide their clients through various sorts of digital offerings, but to actually just you know, have conversations about it, right? And provide them with the appropriate context. And I guess that brings me to the next question really is from a business perspective. Um, I've heard you kind of talk about the opportunity that exists for financial advisors who have a very good handle on crypto and digital assets. But can you talk about what it means, right? From a business perspective? And if I have expertise, I'm not the number one, right? Foremost expert. Um, I'm not Rick Edelman, but I have a good handle on it. What does that mean for me and my business? 
Well, it means you're going to be able to differentiate yourself from your client, from, from your competition, because most advisors don't have that knowledge. They're not fluent in this conversation. They aren't using it as a conversation starter to attract the attention of prospects, to help them win new business. They're not using it to attract new assets of existing clients. Look, if your clients are buying crypto elsewhere, that's money you're not managing. If you show your client that you can help them with it and incorporate it into your practice the way that you are the rest of your assets, you'll attract new money from existing clients. Your AOM will go up. It'll help you attract new clients with new assets. Your AOM will go up. Uh, And this is why it's been projected. One study was done last year showing that over the next five years, advisors are going to generate $5 billion in AOM revenue Mm. um, by virtue of managing crypto assets. So you can do your practice a big favor in your ability to attract and retain clients, generate new AOM, and increase your fee revenue by acknowledging that this is a new asset class, it belongs in a diversified portfolio, and your fluency will enable you to improve your credibility attracting and keeping clients. And and here's the funny part of it, Mark. This is the irony. The reason that advisors are generally not engaging in my experience and talking with a lot I go back to the point I made earlier that most advisors have been doing this for a really long time over the age of 60, lots of clients and assets and a high degree of success. Your clients are happy. I mean, look what last year did, 26% gain on the Dow and the S&P. What's not to love? Why bother learning something new? Why bother introducing this wacky idea of Bitcoin with all of the stereotypical misinformation out there about Mt. Gox and Silk Road and scams and frauds and the Wild West fears? Why risk my happy client relationship with all the money I'm managing on something so new and different? My clients are happy. My book is solid. I'm playing golf one or two days a week. Why risk any of that on this new thing? That's, you know, I get it. That's where advisors are coming from. My answer to you is the following. Your client's kids aren't going to have a tolerance for that lackadaisical point of view. And increasingly, you're bringing in younger advisors into your practice who are interested in growing, who are interested in doing the latest and greatest. They're more engaged in crypto than you are. You need to let them. I don't care if you go through my course, send them through my course. I don't care if you engage in digital assets, let them engage in digital assets. This is what's going to be for the next generation, this digital environment. These kids grew up with iPads. They didn't have to learn how to use it. It was innate to them at age three. They were swiping. We had to learn. So we need to recognize that while we may feel we don't need it and our 70-year-old clients don't need it. If you want to build a sustainable practice, if you want to retain clients, if you have a hope of selling your practice one day, you need to make sure your practice is state-of-the-art and staying current with the latest technologies and asset classes that are available in modern portfolio theory. Yeah, it's interesting, too, just to see as it becomes more commonly utilized by investors and more high-profile you know, how that changes perspective too. I remember at some point end of last year hearing about, you know, one athlete after the other, whether it was Tom Brady or Saquon Barkley, who are converting a portion of their endorsement or their incentive compensations. They're essentially just buying it up digital assets. Um, And when you're seeing that kind of commentary from everybody's favorite athletes, Hollywood stars, who are high net worth individuals. Yeah. And, And you're seeing this from music artists, you know, everybody's favorites are all touting this, talking about it. And then the client calls you and says, what do you think? 
And your response is either, I don't know what it is and I can't help you, or I'm just going to wave my hand and dismiss it as a fat or a fraud. You look foolish in front of that client. You're not going to aid your own credibility with that dismissive point of view. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I participated in a think tank with a group of next gen advisors at around the same time. And they were talking about, you know, they were collaborating, building their own firms. Their research desk would look a lot different <laughs> from the research desk at a very established wealth management firm. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, there's so many firms that are so deeply invested in, you know, their process, which hasn't changed in a very long time. So it'll be interesting to see how that next gen does you know, innovate from a research perspective and how they sort of reinvent their process so that it does not only incorporate digital assets, but has a heavy emphasis on it. Well, well let me give you one illustration, uh, two maybe, of why you really can't ignore this. I mean, it's easy to say, I don't really care if I'm going to buy Bitcoin or not. If, if it's one or 2% of the portfolio, so what? Big deal. Okay, fine. But recognize that the growth of this technology is growing at such a rapid pace. A year ago, you never heard of an NFT. It wasn't until Beeple sold of that digital art at Christie's in an auction for $69 million. You never heard of an NFT, and that was a year ago. Nine months ago, you never heard of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, until the Constitution DAO tried to buy a copy of the Constitution. And it was four months ago, you never heard of the metaverse, until Mark Zuckerberg changed the name of Facebook to Meta Platforms. You never even heard of that. So, To say, oh, I'm going to ignore Bitcoin is one thing, but what you're really saying is that you're going to ignore the most fundamentally revolutionary technological innovation of our time. And let me illustrate for you how this is going to be so impactful. I'm willing to bet that the typical financial advisor has, as part of their diversified portfolio for clients, 10 to 20 asset classes, stocks, bonds, government securities, real estate gold, oil, foreign commodities, add it all up, 10, 15, 20 asset classes and market sectors. Due to tokenization, NFTs, we're now able to tokenize everything. In 2018, the very first piece of real estate was tokenized. A condo building in New York, $30 million building was sliced into 3 million pieces of $10 each and turning an illiquid, expensive, piece of real estate into a highly liquid, affordable asset. We can now tokenize every piece of real estate on the planet. The real estate market is three times bigger than the stock market globally. We can not only tokenize real estate, we can tokenize exotic cars, rare wine, stamps and coins. We can tokenize art. We can tokenize contracts. Your favorite uh, athlete, is going to be able to sell their contract to you, you'll own a piece of their career. When they get a bonus because they're performing great or that Hollywood actor gets a new gig, you're going to own a share of their career. You're also going to be able to tokenize your house. Well, in retirement, when you need to monetize your home to generate income, because it's for most people, their their biggest asset, you'll be able to tokenize your house. Take your million dollar house, slice it into a million pieces of a dollar each, and you can sell those tokens to generate income while living in your house. In other words, in the future, we're not going to have 15 or 20 asset classes. We're going to have 15 or 20,000 asset classes. And portfolio construction will be totally personalized. If you don't get involved in this conversation today, you will be outright obsolete and totally unable to serve your client. And I'm not talking 20 years from now after you've retired. I'm talking three years from now. 
You need to engage in this conversation now, get the knowledge and education you need, because this is growing at such a rapid pace that you'll be amazed at how quickly you will become out of date and seen that way by your clients. So you're saying 60-40 is dead. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be 60-40. It's going to be right. you know thousands of pieces of 60-40. Exactly right. It's amazing when you really stop to think about it like that. Um, and Rick, I appreciate you taking as much time as you did to kind of walk us through where we are, but also offer your thoughts and insights and education to our audience and the wealth management market broadly. Before we let you run, is there anything that we didn't touch on or do you have any final words for our audience of advisors who are probably in that 84%, right, um, or more uh, of advisors that are not recommending crypto or digital assets to their clients today? I'll give you the number one reason why you should get education about this. It is intellectually interesting. I mean, I really don't think we need any more webinars on annuities. Uh, (laughs) This is something that is truly new and different and fun to talk about. It's just intellectually interesting, whether you love it or hate it. It's a great conversation that you can have with everybody and anybody from kids to seniors, clients, to prospects, colleagues, regulators, you name it. And that's my goal is to give you the info you need so you can be conversational and fluent. My new book, The Truth About Crypto, comes out in May, and you can go online to DACFP to learn about our webinars and our certificate program. I'm here to help. I just want to help you stay current and viable in your practice so you can do what you do best, serving your clients. Excellent. Looking forward to reading your book when it comes out in May, and also very much looking forward to having more time with you when you join us as one of the keynotes at Wealth Management Edge in June. So Rick, thank you so much for stopping by the Wellstack podcast. We appreciate your time. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you. And thank you to everybody for tuning in here today. It was a pleasure talking with Rick, going deep in crypto, digital assets, NFTs, and learning more about where the world is going and what financial advisors need to do to accelerate you know, their businesses and capitalize on that massive opportunity that Rick outlined here today. So again, Rick, thank you very much. And on behalf of the Wellstack team, I'm Mark Bruno. We look forward to seeing you back on the next episode of the Wellstack podcast.